Welcome to episode 20, Becoming a Priestess with Julie Parker. Welcome to the Wellness Project podcast with Claire Obeyed. I'm a life and wellness coach, yoga teacher, EFT practitioner, and meditation guide. And most importantly, I'm a mama. And I'm here to support you to free your mind, fuel your body, and feed your soul as we journey into the project of your own wellness. From meditation, yoga, spirituality, and health to well being, mindset, conscious living, and conscious parenting, I dive into it all. Featuring moments of contemplation mixed with inspired action and handy takeaways, you will feel inspired and motivated, ready to cultivate new habits, rituals, and tools for your wellness journey. With mini meditation sessions to support you in cultivating inner stillness, connection, and clarity, and special co-hosted episodes and interviews to answer your questions, the Wellness Project podcast has you covered. Hi beauties and welcome. I'm so thrilled today to be sharing this incredible conversation that I had with Julie Parker on Becoming a Priestess. We have the most delicious and juicy conversation on all things divine feminine, priestess life, ritual, sacred practices, beauty, deep diving into the self, learning how to actually connect with your soul. Gosh, it's just such a delicious conversation and Julie is just such a beam of light and love and authenticity and I cannot wait for this conversation to unfold into your being. Julie also helps us understand what a priestess actually is and what that looks like on a day-to-day basis and what service and sacrifices a priestess really is. She also provides you with an insight on how to create your own altar and how to flow with the seasons and how to harness the magic and the power of mother earth energy oh it's just so beautiful i do also just want to take the time here to properly explain to you who julie parker is i've just realized that maybe you don't know who julie parker is but she is Hailed by Elle Magazine as a self-help guru, she's the founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, where she passionately trains and supports heart-centered people to become life coaches. She is herself a very well-known and renowned life coach as well. She's the editor-in-chief of Inspired Coach Magazine, a published author, a podcast host, and in-demand speaker, and she's inspired thousands of people on stage all over the world and is the recipient of numerous leadership and women's business awards. Whew. Julie is a dynamo. So without further ado, I'm going to take you now to Julie Parker, the priestess, and our incredible conversation on becoming a priestess. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Hi, beautiful Julie Parker. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, Claire, thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Mm, And I can't wait to dive into this conversation about becoming a priestess. And as we were just talking about offline a moment ago, I've been intrigued by your journey for a very long time now, and I've been meaning to dig into this conversation with you. And I know that anyone listening right now is going to be loving what we dive into, but this is a really selfish experience for me as well, because I am so fascinated by the priestess journey and your journey in particular through this. So I'm really grateful that you're giving me the time to dig into this with you. I'm so excited. Oh, well, I'm just really honored that you're interested in knowing and hopefully it's something that 
your listeners will really enjoy and it might pique some curiosity and interest in them as well. I think so. So let's start here. What exactly, for those that are listening, what exactly is a priestess? Well, this is a great question and a great place to start. And you would think that it would be one of those questions that was easy to answer, (laughs) but in fact, it's actually, it's not. And so I might veer a little bit all over the place here, but let me see if I can give you my best shot at this in what is, of course, my interpretation. Now, if you spoke to many other women who are walking a priestess path, they may give you a different version of events. The first thing that I want to say is that it has absolutely nothing to do with being a priest. Sometimes people get priest and priestess confused, and I can certainly understand that because of the similarities in the word. They are connected to spirituality, but being a priestess is not connected to any formal religion. But that's probably where the similarities in relation to them end, uh, and there are lots of reasons for that. To me, being a priestess is about being in spiritual devotion in one's life, but further to that, it's then also being in spiritual service, usually to other women, sometimes children and men, but mostly to other women. A priestess is a guide. She's a channel, a light, an inspirer, a spiritual mentor to other women who are looking to explore their own spirituality and their own realms of what the divine and their soul and their calling means to them. Mm-hmm. Usually, in in my version um, of my priestess world, It involves being very connected to the world of the goddess and goddess culture uh, and being a priestess of the goddess and the divine feminine. And it also involves being very connected, and this is something that's become increasingly important to me, to the seasons and Mother Earth and the wheel of the year because Mother Nature, the great mother, is the greatest goddess of all. There are no other goddesses without her. And so my relationship as a priestess to land and earth is very, very important to me. And I spent an intensive year really deeply studying and working with that last year, but it's an ongoing, loving, challenging, beautiful relationship. So that's where it starts. That's my interpretation or my definition, I guess, of what a priestess is. It's all about spiritual devotion and service in particular to other women. Mm, I think you didn't you didn't mess around with that at all. You were very clear. (laughs) That's really given me a lot of insight into what a priestess is. And it's kind of also made me realize many of us, I guess, soulfully centered women out there may actually already be stepping into a priestess role without realizing it. Because a lot of what you've just said, I really resonate with, but I would never walk around and call myself a priestess, you know? Which brings me to my next question. Mm -hmm. How does one become a priestess? Are there requirements? Is there a process? Mm. Do you have to study? (laughs) Well, I think the answer is yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) I Yeah, look, it's... 
I think the most accurate word to describe how does one become a priestess is not so much that you become one, rather that it is a calling. Mm. It's something that you feel deep, deep stirrings with in your soul and your body. And, and that's something that comes to different women in different ways. For some women I've known, they heard the word and it mm. ignited something inside of them. For other women, they come from a lineage of females in their family who have been in spiritual devotion or service in some way for a very, very long time. Uh, there are a lot of women out there who are practicing um, or have lots of witch-like attributes and arch the archetype of the witch within them that also sometimes feel very strongly called into the world of the priestess as well and vice versa. And, of course, none of these things, Claire, exist in isolation. Mm. You know, it, it's not like... You, you don't necessarily feel it ignited in you one day, which is what happened to me, and then also then find out that you come from a lineage of women who have been in spiritual service, and that was the way things happened to me. I think then it's all about what you do with it, and for different people there are different paths to this. I personally do believe that study and devotional service and working with a mystery school or through a course or a number of courses or with a mentor or a guide is very, very important in this world. Mm. It's not necessarily something that has to be done, but I do think that if it's if you really feel strongly called to claim it, then there's a lot of work that is involved in that. And we can talk about that more if you like, but I guess my answer to is there study involved or journeying or working of some kind? Uh, my answer to that is yes. I do think that that's very important. Mm, I agree, and I think that kind of applies to any calling or vocation. You might feel the stirring within your soul and you might feel that true soul desire and alignment to X, Y, Z, but that doesn't mean that you have the, um, I guess, the the requirements to facilitate that just like becoming a coach you know you do still then need to educate and learn and dive in deeper and come to a an embodied understanding is that kind of what you're touching on here that idea absolutely. that you need to learn yeah absolutely you do and it also may be that you need to unlearn mm, I love <laughs> certain, that. yeah certain things as well because if you're going to be in spiritual service to other women, that can take many different forms as a priestess. It may be that you are a healer. It may be that your gift is with crystals or with medicine drumming or a whole variety of other things that might be your spark and your interest and your spiritual gateway to serving and honouring other women on their life and spiritual journeys. And there is no doubt that some of those things come to us inherently and naturally. And that is usually the case in many ways. But those things can only be enhanced by further study and education and work. And so for me, 
the true work of the priestess, and this is probably a whole other arm of the conversation, Claire, is that the great role of the priestess is holding space for others. Mm. And the art of holding space is exactly that. It's an art. And what I have learned on this journey, and it is a lifetime journey for me now, is that to be a magnificent space holder, I constantly have to be dancing and working with my ego and my shadow. And looking at that side of myself and that part of myself to a point where I can be with people and sit with people, whether it be one-on-one or in a sacred circle or even in a large space, and I don't have thoughts running through my head such as, what does she think about me? Do I look right? I'm screwing this up. Hang on a second. This is not right. I just said the wrong thing. This is wrong. She hates me. She doesn't like me. All of that nasty ego chatter that sometimes we know is dialed up to 10, sometimes it's back to you know, two or three, we all have it. But the great work of the priestess is working on one's own ego Mm -hmm. and getting to a point where you have such a connected and strong relationship with it that you don't hear it anymore because you don't need it as much in your ongoing day-to-day life and you have therefore a much greater capacity to hold space for people because you can be in empty presence with them. Mm just so juicy and delicious and you know Julie from our conversations in the past how much I love and appreciate that shadow work because Mm -hmm. I feel very strongly that that is where at least for me the the true uncovering and illumination of the soul comes through not by spiritually bypassing and going straight up into the higher realms and into the high vibe heavens but you know we're here on earth in this body and we are embodied So when we do that shadow work and we be with our ego and we release that, then we're able to be that empty vessel that you speak about. So I so Mm -hmm. love that you've brought that into this conversation about being a priestess because it it feels so much more authentic and earthy and grounded and mother earthy, you know, like Mm. that goddess energy you've just described before. I love that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's the thing that even though the priestess is very much an archetype of the higher realms and the whole idea with ancient priestesses is they were revered for being able to communicate with the goddesses and Mm. being their handmaidens, being their servants to the people, even though that is very, very connected into the higher realms, you're right, it's also very rooted in the middle ground and the underground as well. And that's where all of this ego work comes in. And that's why for me, it's got me for life because I find that walking this path is constantly helping me shed layers and become a better woman, mm. a better wife, a better stepmother, a better coach, a better business owner, all of the above, let alone the beauty and the spirit that it brings into my life as well. That's just so beautiful. And I love that you've mentioned underworld and the middle ground and the higher realms because they are part of the, the you know, this greater beautiful energy that we're all tapping into you can't really isolate can you so i really appreciate that you've given us an understanding that the priestesses do commune with the higher space but they're all also connected with 
the earth and with the underworld. Mm. I really appreciate that because that makes me feel, at least for me, a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Okay with my realness as a human being and my shadow and my darkness as well as my ability to tap into lightness as well because Mm. they're all there. You can't really just delete one or the other, can you? They're all part of us. Well, that's right. I mean, as soon as you start trying to delete something or ignore something, you're in very, very strong spiritual bypassing territory. (laughs) You know, um, it's just, it's not possible. And the underworld and our shadows and the dark goddesses and all of our animal kin live under the world and in the underground and all of those sorts of things. There's so many good things down there and there's so many good things in the darker places inside of us that allow us to be able to work on ourselves to become a more whole human being because we can all shine in certain areas if we allow ourselves to. And we can all live in the light and be bright and gorgeous and shining and beautiful, but we all know that we can't be there all the time because mm. that's how we burn out. Mm. At a practical level, particularly from a as a woman, you burn out in those places if you're there all the time. And, I mean, gosh, we can even see this happening consistently to rock stars, movie stars, all this. They, they burn out, mm. they fizzle out, they end up with all sorts of addictions, issues and problems because that light is just too bright. And you you have to pull back. You have to have alone time. You have to have downtime. And you have to go in you have to go down and you have to go in. Mm. And so often in the place of the underworld and our shadow is where rest is. Yes. yes. It's where we can, if we allow ourselves to just go there and be held and not be afraid of it, we can rest there and it can teach us so much. Mm, that is so true. And you've just reminded me of, an excerpt that I posted recently on Instagram, and if you don't mind, I'm going to jump on and read it because it's actually from Sarah mm. Beek's book, Red Hot and Holy, which I think you, you may know of. And I've just felt called recently to reread it. And it's just about this duality that we're talking about right now. I will move on, <laughs> but I just wanted to read this because I think it really kind of ties it all together. It says here, the soul doesn't seem to make the distinction between the light and the dark. It chooses both. It doesn't care whether you do something successfully or fail at it. It just wants to know, did you do it your way? Was it you who failed or were you trying to be someone else when you failed? If it was you, the soul is happy because it was your experience, your failure, and no one can take it away from you. Question is not, did you fail or did you win? The question becomes, did you go your own way? And I just Mm -hmm. love that in relation to what you were talking about, you know, we can't always be in the light. We can't always be in the dark. We, we do seesaw and we do, you know, dip our toe into both, don't we? And when we do that, oh, yeah. we kind of come into this more balanced and embodied state. Mm. I love yeah, it. Yeah, completely. That is a great It's a great book. You've now made me want to pick that book up again <laughs> because it's been a few years since I've read it, and uh, it was a really wonderful read. And um, Sarah, she writes some really great stuff, and that is um, that's a beauty. It yeah. is a beauty. It is mm-hmm. okay. So I want to jump back a bit because I've been scribbling all these notes, and you've said so many things. So I want to go into more. This is what happens when I interview people. I'm like, wait, no, we need another podcast episode on that. 
<laughs> Ridiculous. So we mentioned you mentioned very briefly how you were called into the priestesshood. Do you mind sharing us that story, even mm. if just on the on the top line, how you actually responded to that call and what actually came through for you? Yeah, I'm really happy to share it. I was actually interviewing somebody uh, for a magazine that I edit and I asked this woman the question. She was being interviewed for the cover. I asked her what she felt had been the greatest courses and learnings and studies that she'd undertaken that had influenced her life and success. And one of the things that she said was that she'd undertaken priestess training. It was the very first time that I'd ever heard the word and I felt like my my heart had been lit on fire. Wow. Mm. As soon as she said the word, there was something that happened to me. And I completed the interview, <laughs> but the truth be told, I, I think I was shooting off in a, a thousand different directions. And as soon as I got off the uh, interview with her, and we stopped recording, I actually asked her if she could share with me a little bit more about that and where she had studied, and she did. And then for the next two days of my life, Claire, I found myself down a rabbit hole of exploring and investigating and adventuring with what the world of the priestess meant and how I could explore it for myself further. And that was really how it began for me. However, it's important for me to note, and I know that this is what happens to many women who start down this path. When I began to formally study and work with this in a more spiritual realm on a daily basis and at deeper levels, what began to uncover for me was that I had actually been doing the work of a priestess all my life. Yes. And so had many other women in my family for many, many generations before me. It's just that I had not realised it and or it had not come under the banner of that name. Mm. And that has also been a beautiful journey for me as well. But that's how it all started. Such a beautiful story. Mm. I love those little not little, obviously, full-body experiences where it's like, wait a minute, all my senses and my antennas have gone off here. And mm. knowing you and the work that you have done in your in your world, obviously, as a coach and the beautiful You Academy and the incredible magazine that you edit, I can truly say to anyone listening that I can see that you have been a priestess through all of that. But I'm sure it's also threaded into your soul's DNA in every past life story as well. It's just now you have... A sacred container to step into don't you yes and that's a beautiful way to describe it Claire thank you so much for doing that mm. and it's been one of the great joys of this journey for me because what has happened for me is that as I've learned different things about the world of the priestess and spiritual devotion and service I've gone oh, hang on a second I've been doing that for yes. years you know it's like oh hold a minute <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> and so I started out thinking, oh, this is all going to be so new when, in fact, I realised probably only a month into my first intensive training and my beautiful guide and 
the high priestess that took me through that journey really helped me to understand that as well. She said, this is actually not a learning, it's a remembering. Mm. Yeah. She said, you are remembering and you are uncovering for yourself here many, many, many lineages of the red thread of women that exist in your family and how that all ties together to bring you here to this moment. And so that has just been delicious. Oh, gosh, I can only imagine it must feel so, it's like coming home, isn't it? Coming home to something that you didn't even realize was home. Yeah, that's also a beautiful way to describe it. And boy, has it opened up some beautiful conversations with my mother. Oh, wow. And also my grandmother, who is 98 years old and still alive, and also just wanting to explore my family tree and lineage as well. You know, it has been just such an eye and heart opening experience. And I know that it's just begun as well. So it's super, super beautiful and exciting. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's got me interested. You've obviously come to this space of remembering and coming home, but you also mentioned earlier in the conversation that it's also about unlearning. So can you share with us any examples of what you've had to unlearn in order to be in spiritual service and devotion under the priestess banner? Because that's a big thing to do. Yeah, it is a big thing. And I think that so much of our unlearning is very connected to our ego. Mm. And of course, we all know these things on the surface, but we don't necessarily, until we deeply commit to working with them, know, well, how does that come out practically? How do I do that? So a perfect example is being an expert. Mm. And one of the things that this pathway teaches you is that you're not an expert in anything. (laughs) How humbling. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's like, and we know this, of course, for anyone who's listening that might be a coach like Claire or myself, you know that you're not meant to tell your clients what to do. You know that you're not meant to give them advice and all that sort of thing. But that doesn't still mean that you don't think that you're the expert. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this yep. is next this is next level stuff. I mean it's the the unlearning really is all deeply connected to the so-called in inverted commas learning that you might think is real but in fact is an illusionment of your ego things such as you're an expert you know exactly what's going to happen all the time, that you are in complete control, uh, that you are better than other people or that you are not as good as other people, all of those things. And that's one of the things that I love about this path so much is the, the deep, deep questioning that it has gotten me to ask myself over and over again, you know, what is the real truth here? If all this was laid bare, what is real? Is it real? Or is this an illusion? And when you start to ask yourself those questions, it... It's life-changing, Claire. Like, it really, really is. It gets you to think about things and yourself and your life at such a deeper level. And it also allows you to release 
so much silliness Mm. in your life. Like it dissolves because you can't be asking yourself questions such as is this real and what does this truly mean to me and also be asking yourself questions such as am I as good looking as she is? Yes, I love it. Like it just doesn't work like that. There's no space for it. No, there's no space for it at all. So what I'm hearing, Julie, is there's this massive journey of self-reflection and self-study that comes in unlearning. And it's almost like a dismantling of ego, isn't it? It's like a shedding of this false self. Exactly. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. And that is the great internal work of any priestess, Mm. is that constant dancing and learning and unlearning with and from the ego. Oh, my God, so much yum, so much Mm. yum. (laughs) For somebody who is a complete sucker for continuous growth and learning, like it actually makes me sad to think that I would one day stop learning, which is probably why I keep coming up against multiple spiritual and soul-based challenges (laughs) because I keep putting my hand up for them. But I just love that that dismantling because to me it's not a dismantling of self and you're left empty and with nothing. It's a dismantling of the false self to really step into your true self, true soul, who you are really at the core of you. That's just... Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful, intense. It never ends. (laughs) Uh, some days it's maddening and saddening, mm. and then other days it is joyous. Mm. Let's talk about those days, right? Tell me, what what do you do daily as a priestess? How does it, priestesshood show up for you as you rise for the day? Because mm. you're not always studying, are you? You're not always in no. the dark night of the soul kind of moment. No, and I'm not always in deep service Mm. every day either. You know, I run a global business, I'm a stepmom, I'm a wife, I'm a fur mama, you know, all of the above. I drive a car, I get the groceries, (laughs) you know. Do you mean you don't just manifest your groceries? (laughs) Come on now. No, 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 I don't. Um, You know, so I live... uh, of course, a very normal, average, everyday life, as do as do all modern priestesses. I think I'm, you know, not a. There's no, you know, major temples or anything like that anymore, where one's locked away in spiritual devotion, twenty four seven. That's not the way that it exists anymore. Mm-hmm. And so there are different elements of how I'm in service and. In a modern context, you know, I have a, a Facebook group and that is an, an online temple for me. And in that Sacred Priestess Circle Facebook group, you know, it's a space where I'm in service in there, um, answering questions and posting different things about the goddess. That's one way, you know, to be in spiritual service. Of course, that didn't exist in ancient times, but we're living in modern times now. And then, of course, there are other times where I'm in person with people, whether it be one-on-one or mostly in these days in groups, running circles or speaking or doing a variety of different things. But Really, the path of the priestess on a daily level is all about your own internal work. And for me, that's very centered around my altar, 
Mm. and also centred around time um, in Mother Nature. And so I'm deeply committed that even if it is only for a short period of time every day, that I'm outside every day, um, feet on the ground, bare, um, hands in the earth, whether it be in my garden, at the beach, uh, walking, whatever it might be, that's deeply important to me with my relationship with the Great Mother and the inspiration and the love that I draw from her in connection to that. And also with my altar, I'm going to be really honest with you, Claire. I know that you are a magnificent meditator. <laughs> might be come as a shock to everybody I am actually not and um <laughs> the confession I do not, yeah I do not have I know that there are some priestesses that who the thought of not meditating every day would be like cutting off a little finger um that's not me you know some days for me I will sit in front of my altar and I'm called to play and so what I will do is I will play with my oracle cards or I will do a tarot spread for myself or I may mix some oils together and, or I may arrange some flowers uh, or I may do a little bit of candle work. And that's what I feel called to do that mm. day. And then other days I'm called very deeply to sit and drop in very deeply mm. and that does happen quite regularly but not all the time uh, but every single day I'm I'm devoted to spending time with my altar and in that space in some way and I change that altar regularly often around seasonal changes as well to reflect what's happening with the great mother at the time oh I love that that's really lovely and just on the meditation thing I think what you've described sounds like a meditative practice because you're you're receiving intuitive guidance to play and you're doing something with single pointed focus that's meditation you know and since becoming a mummer there's not always time to just sit in stillness but you have to weave that mindfulness in and that's yeah, I think you are actually a very good meditator. Right. Well, if that's a, you know, I will thank you very much for that broader, delicious definition there. Because if that's the case, if that's what meditation is, then yes, I'm doing that. <laughs> I think it's simply about creating space and then honouring what you feel. You know, it, it, sometimes you do, like you said, need to drop in deep and receive clear guidance or be in complete stillness. But like you also said, we live in the modern world and we don't always have the container and the capacity for that. And I think that's a relief to a lot of people listening because some people just don't vibe with it and that's okay. I personally love it, but that's because it's saved me on so many single occasions in my life. But to me, it's about the, the presence and the consciousness, the contemplation, the deliberate act of showing up to your altar. That's just heaven to me mm, I love yep. that yeah can we it. elaborate a bit more on your altar because you said you change it seasonally and I love that so for example if we're moving from summer into autumn what could change on your altar well everything really <laughs> everything from the essential oils that I might use on that altar to the color of the flowers to the crystals to the throw 
or cloth or mandala that I might put on it. So, for example, if we're coming into springtime, then it's going to be very likely that my altar in a celebration of that season, there's going to be lots of flowers, lots of bright, beautiful colours, lots of pink, lots of feminine re-emerging, the time of spring, the time of Ostara, the time of the spring equinox, um, you know, bunnies and birds and petals and, you know, all of the above. So it's going to be an altar that looks very feminine and very beautiful. Uh, in uh, a more feminine, soft, delicious, floral way. Yes. Now, as we, uh, for example, if we were descending from autumn into winter, it would look almost the exact opposite to that, but still very beautiful. So for me, at the start of winter, so towards the end of May, around the last week of May, I will deliberately shift the frequency of my altar to be much darker. There will be a lot more black and navy, white, silver, um, to represent stars in the night and dark clouds and just the time of winter being the time of the crone. It's the time of the underground, the shadow, the darkness. It's when we sleep. It's when we rest. It's when mama hibernates yes. because she needs to regenerate. She has to stop all of her production. She must rest. She must sleep. Otherwise, spring will not come. Mm. And so that altar will be not so much filled, there won't be any flowers on my altar during that time. There might be earth and moss and soil that I'll put in containers, but there'll be lots of candles for illumination and to know that I'm safe Mm. and that even though it's the dark of winter and it's the shadow time, that I can always light a light and find my way out if I choose to. So the energy of that will be very, very different. And the whole idea behind it is for me to welcome it in and to say, I'm welcoming you in winter. I'm welcoming in the rest, the slowing down, the deliciousness of what it means to close one's eyes and just sink into the earth. I want that for me too during this time. And then slowly, you know, towards the end of that winter period, I will begin to shift it and more colour will come into it until spring fully comes in and then it's that floral extravaganza again. And that's a a more peak, even though it's very feminine and will look very beautiful, spring is actually quite a masculine time because it's a time of doing. It's Mm. a time of growth. It's a time of being out there again spring has sprung, so to speak, whereas winter is actually deliciously feminine and restful. Oh, Julie, I've got my eyes closed listening to that because I can just feel how perfect it would be to transition seasonally with this visual support and aid. And I just think that's such a supportive way, especially for us women, to help us enter these seasons and embrace it and receive it rather than resist and contract from it and you know oh god I've got to go into winter and oh it's yeah. so challenging and mm. or how, however we feel about summer for example 
And I'm just yes. thinking about the red roses that I've got on my altar at the moment, which my husband gave me for my birthday. And I, I'm literally astounded by the instantaneous joy that they give me just by looking at them. And it's, I can imagine if you have this altar that, that is moving seasonally and that you've handcrafted and been so conscious about would just be so supportive for whatever spiritual practice you're going to enter and your just day-to-day life for oh, that season. Yes, Claire, oh, yes. And good. I just want to share with everyone something that's so important here, two things. First of all, you don't have to be a priestess to have an altar <laughs> um, and you don't have to be a priestess to work with the wheel of the year and the seasons and really embrace those in your life. And when we say altar, we can literally mean a corner of your desk, your bedside table, a little ottoman that you have in your office somewhere or in your bedroom, anywhere that might be able to have a little cloth placed over it with a candle and a bud vase and maybe a petite crystal of your choice. It does not have to be something that is big and elaborate and expensive. You don't be having to get in like bunches of $60 flowers every week and tending to it. That's not what it's about at all. It's all about intention Mm. and it's about energy. It's about what you're calling in. And honestly, Claire, living in a way, as a woman that embraces the seasons and embraces the cycles of the Great Mother is absolutely life-changing. Just as I'm sure many women who might be listening to this, if they know, will know that learning to embrace the cycles of your menstrual cycle Mm. is exactly the same. That when you learn how magnificently powerful that is and how you can work with that to craft such an amazing life for yourself around your own cycles and patterns and needs all that those cycles are being reflected in is exactly the same in the great mother Mm. we all have a winter summer spring and autumn or fall within 12 months as we do within one month throughout our own internal cycle. And so when we match up our internal world with the external world of what is happening as a feminine force, alignment. Oh, it's just so good. It's just so nurturing and nourishing and yet empowering at the same time to be invited to live in cycles and to live with Mm -hmm. the cycles because that's the feminine, isn't it? That's the way that we are. That's exactly right. Yeah, this was how our ancestors, not just women but also men, once upon a time lived. Everything in life was run by and lived by and honoured by the clock and seasons and cycles of the Great Mother. And we lost it, but we're beginning to reclaim it now because people are starting to understand how incredibly powerful and wonderful it is to do. And it has completely revolutionized my relationship to winter. Wow. 
completely altogether. I I don't much love the cold. In fact, I really don't like it at all. But I now love winter so much more than I used to. I look forward to it for the rest. And I consciously craft my year as much as I possibly can to know this is my time where deeper rest is needed. And slowly as I come out of that rest, so not to do as much, that that is also then time, a budding time of creativity. And so it's the perfect time to start new projects towards the end of winter and the coming into spring, to start new projects, to launch new things, you know, do all of that sort of thing. It's it's wonderful. And it works differently for everyone. That's just an example of how it works for me. Mm. But it's like it's like a invitation, isn't it, that you are allowed to rest in winter. You're allowed to switch off the creativity. You're allowed to be introverted and look within. And you're allowed to be okay with all the heaviness that kind of generally moves through winter. And instead of seeing it as a negative or a burden, that this is actually precisely what you need. Because when you rest, you then rise as the spring comes in. And then when you get that burst of creativity and energy and yang, like you've described, that's exactly, precisely, I mean, it happens exactly and precisely that way because you rested. Exactly. Yes. That's exactly right. And so instead of finding oneself in the middle of spring or even the start of summer, and for anybody listening from Australia, we all know what that's like when all of a sudden it's the first week of December and you're looking down the barrel of having three weeks in front of you where you don't have a spare moment because you're either Christmas shopping or you've got six different Christmas parties to go to, a thousand different things with your kids or babies or families to do and you just want to crawl under a rock mm. because you are depleted before it even begins. If you rest during the winter time and you allow yourself as much as possible, whatever that may mean to you, you know, a break and to pull back and, you know, do all of that sort of stuff, you will move into that period of time with so much more lightness and joy and you won't have that experience when summer does roll around and we are all out shining bright and the light is on. Mm, Yes. Yes, I love this so much. And I just think (laughs) it's the invitation that so many of us women in particular need to, you know, I've questioned myself so many times in the past, why am I feeling like this and why can I not just get the engines firing and why, why, why? You know, and a few years ago I came to realize that actually it's this self-reflection time through autumn and winter and that's precisely what I need to do and give myself permission for that and it feels good instead of pushing up against it and resisting it. And I think so Mm. many more of us women need to actually embrace those cycles and that energy because what we're trying to do being in this masculine energy which don't get me wrong the divine masculine is important we all have it and we have to utilize it but when we're in that too much and we're ignoring that divine feminine cyclic nature like you said earlier in the call we're burnt out we're broken Mm. we're trying to keep up with an energy in a way that just is completely incongruent with what we naturally are exactly 
Yep, I couldn't have described it better, Claire. You've just summed it up there beautifully. Oh, thank you. I'm learning. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit before we get to the end of this amazing call, which I could talk about for about 5,000 hours with you. (laughs) (laughs) But the divine feminine, these are two words that get thrown around all the time. And obviously through this call, we've kind of touched on what elements make up this divine feminine, cyclic nature, obviously, and all these other elements. But in your opinion... And in your interpretation, what is the divine feminine? And how do we start to invite a bit more of that into our lives, considering this from the priestess call, considering this from you as a priestess? Mm -hmm. Oh, this is such a good question. And I will admit that I find it very challenging to answer. Mm. And I think it's because it is something that to me is constantly shifting and flowing and changing and that is exactly the way that it should be Mm. because that is how we move through and see the world in a feminine way it's not something that is fixed or forced it is in fact something that is fluid and flowing Mm. so if I really tap into my heart today let me just share with you what comes to me today, which could be different to next week. To me, the divine feminine is a force. It is a force of soul and spirit and connection where the feminine heart and essence lives. It is something where qualities of intuition, nurturing, care, love, connection, sisterhood, divinity, and purposeful power live in a way that opens up a portal for both women and men to step into a space of graciousness Mm. and love. And on a practical level, what it, why it's so important at the moment is because we are living in such a patriarchally masculine-dominated world right now where so much of our value as a human being is placed on things such as how much money we earn, how much force we can hold, what our productivity is, what we do for a job, and so many other things. And why it's so powerful and so important at the moment is that it really is attempting to bring about a balance in relation to that. It comes back to this concept of wholeness. You know, once upon a time, the divine feminine and sacred masculine were so much more balanced than they were today. Women were not only treated equally, they were in fact revered for all their gifts of womanhood, mothering, intuition, introspection, um, fluidity, flow, their menstrual blood, everything, and all of those things have been lost to us. So the divine feminine is also about a reclaiming. It's a very powerful, powerful reclaiming of what it means to be the essence of a woman, but also beyond just womanhood, what it can also mean for men, and what it can also mean for us collectively and consciously as human beings on the planet as well. Wow. And when you said planet, I just got a a trigger because our planet is 
mother, isn't she, as you've said, and she is the divine feminine. And we are so disconnected and we are attempting Mm -hmm. to come back and reconnect with her. And that seems to be feeding into society and our collective consciousness and the way that we live and how we function. And then you marry that with what you've just told us, which is this patriarchy that we are living under. And it's no wonder that there is so much disruption so, I mean, I personally have felt very, very called to learn more about the Divine Feminine, to find a way to embody her more. And that's right down from little things to how can I reduce my waste footprint on the world, mm-hmm. to how can I respond to my cycle and respond to the cycles of, of nature, and how can I actually really find power within my rest as well as power in my rising. So I I really appreciate today's description from you on the Divine Feminine. Mm. And I know that, like you said, it does change. And I'm also really grateful that you highlighted that, that she is so fluid and that she is so flexible and malleable and that there is no still standing stagnant concrete point of her because that's no. that, that is more the masculine, isn't it? Well, it is. And it's also the direct opposite of a cycle. Yes. You know, cycles, they spiral, they move, they go around. And, you know, one of the questions that you asked before, Claire, and this might sound like a really simplistic answer, but for anybody that's wanting to get more in touch, you know, how does somebody get more in touch with the divine feminine? Spend more time with the great mother. Yes. Spend more time with Mother Nature, more time outside, more time connecting with her and bringing her seasons to life, as we were talking about even before with the altars, and that's a beautiful, beautiful start. There are so many other branches to it, you know, learning and crafting and developing a beautiful relationship with your intuition, also slowing down. Oh, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. Slow, Slow down. Slow down, slow down. Um, the divine feminine is slow. She's soft. She's sensual. She's sexy. Mm-hmm. She's slow. She's not hard and fast and fixed and forceful. She's slow. And so slowing down and doing everything you can in your life to slow down will also help with this. And if you combine slowing down, spending more time outdoors in beautiful nature and really, really bringing to life cycles and seasons in your life, you'll be well on your way to really, really being more in touch with the divine feminine. That is such beautiful guidance for us all. And I have to say to anyone listening, this morning I had a session with my psychologist that I'm working through some past birth stuff and left there and went straight to the beach and Mm. stripped myself of my clothes and entered the water and the feeling was instantaneous of cleansing and releasing and just absolute joy all of a sudden instead of feeling oh my god I'm so hot and pregnant and oh my god I'm so beast and oh my god oh my god it was just like I'm pregnant and I'm giving birth to a child and I'm connected right now to mother earth and she's telling me it's all good and it was an instant download like the feeling was powerful Mm. and that's just 20 minutes not even in nature yeah I'm not surprised by that 
at all. No. Not surprised. You know, the great theme of the great mother is love. Mm. And we take her for granted so, so much from the perspective that we fail to understand and recognize that uh, she holds us and nurtures us and feeds us every single day. Yes. She doesn't care what we look like. She doesn't care what we weigh. She doesn't care what we do or what we don't do. She doesn't care that we might have yelled at our little one that day or that maybe we neglected something or we swore or we spoke out of turn. She doesn't care about any of those things. She loves us unconditionally, exactly as we are. And that is why you take your troubles to her. You take your anger, your frustration, your sadness, you take anything to her and not only will she take it she wants to take it Mm. and she will renew you and refresh you and the more times that you do that and the more time you spend with her the more that that relationship will develop and you'll know there's nothing that she can't take from you and when you know that in your life the force that it gives you and the power that it makes you have and makes you feel as a woman, it's you're invincible. Yeah. Invincible. Mm. Thank you, Julie. That's really inspiring. This whole conversation has just been so beautiful and supportive and, yeah, so many juicy ideas and takeaways for me personally, especially around nature and the divine feminine, bringing more of her into my world and the, and the altar as well. I'm really grateful for everything you've just shared. Now, I have three standard little questions for you because this is the Wellness Project podcast and you can answer (laughs) the first thing that comes to mind because I know there's more than one to all of this. But tell me, Julie, what do you personally do to free your mind? Sit still. (laughs) Yes, stop moving. Preferably in nature. (laughs) Love it. And what do you do to fuel your body? Well, the first part of the answer is listen to it, Mm. but the second part of the answer on a more practical level, eggs, raspberries and chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like the the diet of a priestess or the divine feminine. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Eggs, raspberries and chocolate. Mm. Thank you for making me laugh. And how do you (laughs) feed your soul? By asking her what she wants and giving it to her. Mm. Again, your intuition leading the way. I love it. So I have two final questions for you. The first one relates back to becoming a priestess. Is there any direction you can provide to our listeners if they're chomping at the bit to go and do some sort of training? Is there somewhere you can direct them, something you could recommend other than getting Mm -hmm. lost in the rabbit hole on the internet? (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, it's a very delicious Alice in Wonderland type rabbit hole to get lost down, Claire. It's it's pretty good for anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, I think I mean, it's very hard to say because there are so many different options that are that are out there. I mean, probably in all honesty, Google is your best best place mm. to start by typing in something such as um, priestess training or priestess school, okay. and there are going to be a lot of not a lot, but there are going to be a few options that will come up with you there. 
Also, I think that people might find my website a really great resource to read through some of my own journeys and experiences of going through Temple School. Mm. And um, I have just started running a weekend workshops with a beautiful fellow priestess sister and our first one is here in November in February and we we were sort of surprised but then again not so surprised that that sold out very very quickly and it is an initiation it's just it's a 48 hour intensive to really really dive into the world of the priestess and what it's all about and whether it might be for someone and I think it's likely that we will do some more of those and I love the thought of doing more of those Claire I think I'm called to do it particularly for those women who are located in the Southern Hemisphere because there's not a lot that exists for us in this realm down here. There is a lot that is from a Northern Hemisphere perspective and it's really, really important that we have more options for those women who are in the Southern Hemisphere because, of course, we are experiencing seasons and cycles of the year at the exact opposite yes time that other priestess schools are and truth be told they don't cater to us very well I had to really flip everything around that I was learning and it was okay but I must admit I've got a bit of a dream to create something that's more suitable for us down here so is that something that we can be expecting sometime in the next year or oh Claire you're pushing it (laughs) Uh, please, that was my request to please make that happen in the next year. Oh, goodness. Well, you know, it's in discussions with the goddess. Okay. I'll let her, I'll let her do the pushing then. It might be, yes. But that is really, really helpful. So for anybody, your website is juliesuzanneparkerisnit.com. That's right. Correct. And I will link that in the show notes. So please go and pour over Julie's incredible website and, of course, pour over Julie she's just if you've never met Julie in person to those listening just her energy and the love that exudes out of every cell of her being you cannot help even though you've never met her before to just embrace her and hug her and you want to be held by her energy she's just she is the divine feminine it is a very powerful being in your presence Julie so I invite everybody to go and connect with you as much as possible and to of course get lost in the google rabbit hole of priestess (laughs) information oh Claire thank you for your beautiful words honey that's just so lovely thank you the truth but thank you for sharing with us what becoming a priestess is all about and everything that we discussed in between I just feel full as in in a positively bright and light way full on this conversation so thank you so much for that it's a pleasure thank you so much for having me you're welcome oh my god did you have pen and paper i hope so i hope you were scribbling mad notes like i was i absolutely love julie i think she is just one of the most divinely open and beautiful and passionate and loving and real women I've ever met and I hope that you got so much wisdom 
and priestess love out of that conversation. And perhaps it actually has nudged you and touched your heart and your soul and maybe taken you back to an inner knowing that you too are already living as a priestess or that you once were and it's time to reignite that. Julie and I are so keen to hear from you, your thoughts, your feelings, your comments. So on whatever social media platform you like to use, please let us know that you've had a listen to this incredible episode. Tag us and give us your feedback. We'd be so excited. And I would love, love, love to hear any thoughts from you about how you're living as a priestess as well. And if this incredible episode with Julie resonated with you please make sure you connect with her and follow her as well like she mentioned there's some juicy stuff coming out this year that you can connect via Julie and her incredible priestess life and if you loved this episode don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and pop us a five-star rating because that will keep us going keep us working with the incredible thought leaders and soulful heart-driven women and men of the world and bringing that light and love back to you as often as possible thank you so much everyone and take care of yourself